The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, I did it. I'm, I don't know why I'm whispering, but I'm a little bit concerned, obviously. Um, was it walls have ears, ears have walls, or whatever it is, that I, I got the X100V. And I, I did it in very much the same way that you have. Did it come in a Tesco's carrier bag through the door? No, it didn't come in a Tesco's carrier bag through the door. But I think Sam spotted it because um, yesterday, I, I didn't make it very obvious. I, I put a new strap on it and um, I had it round my, my body to go. I went out in the evening. She was going out to football um, to, to play football. And I was I was going the other way with uh, young Thomas to go do some pictures of the, the local wildlife park and the trains and i had i had the lens pointed in towards my body so she wouldn't notice it (laughs) (laughs) but she did she's no fool she knows what an x100 looks like (laughs) what that is very very uh, derogatory towards sam's observation skills (laughs) well yeah but also the other thing was that thomas you see because he he loved the x100f and he lamented that when i when I when I parted with it, and uh, yesterday he he kind of spied it because he knows I've been using the X Pro One with uh, with a vintage lens on it, and he saw it and I thought, oh no, he's he's actually now he's going to break the news that I bought this thing, and um, and he looked at it, he said, that's a really small lens. I said, yes, it's a pancake lens, darling. I've just put it on, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then turned it away from him. He knows it's an X One Hundred V as well. Oh, dear me. What? Dear what did, how did you hide it from you know from Gemma? <laughs> Oh, I can't remember. I was drunk. I just, it, it probably came after breakfast one morning and I just kind of shoved it in a cupboard or something. <laughs> These things we do, Kev. The Fuji cast. Oh, well, here we are again. Another Monday. You and your questions from our electronic mailbag. And of course, uh, also through the Fuji cast Facebook group that you're welcome to become a part of. If you'd like to send a mail in, send to click at fujicast.co.uk or indeed you can send it through the through the Facebook group as I say if you're a Fuji film shooter fantastic if you're not don't worry it's a big community whatever flavour you shoot you're very welcome and if you too are hiding an X100 somehow nudge nudge wink wink um, thank you to those friends that are supporting us on Patreon, uh, which for the price of a coffee keeps the show growing and going. There's Kev's Book of the Week this week. Is it a tome of an affair this week? Kev, what, it, what is it? No, it's a little old fella. Uh, Thames, it's one of the Thames and Hudson's photofile books. A uh, little, little, little pocket book you can stick in your handbag or your whatever you've got if you're a man, uh, uh, which is all about Elliot Owit. <laughs> I'm not quite sure you want to be called a little old fella. and we have carl Hare uh, back for part two talking about video that was very successful last week thank you very much for uh, for those that have sent questions in on the back and of course on the on the um on the facebook page now in the the group there is another there's another uh thread if you like that you can join in with uh with carl on if you have any any questions at all following what you hear from last week's show and from and from this week's which you actually, when you put that thread up about yeah. Carl, you bumped off the the main questions thread. Did I? Disappeared. Yeah, it went all the way to the, like seven months ago. No, I, I thought I thought we can have more than one announcement though, can't you? You can, but you can only have one at the top, oh. so the other ones disappear unless people click on the announcements tab. They won't see it. All oh, right. Oh, that's quite. What a mistake in a maker. Yeah. Awful. Sorry. Do um. <laughs> take my one off then carl won't mind put it as a normal post and we'll just keep joining in with it and it will keep going up to the top 
How well, Carl's one is still in the announcements. So if you want to ask Carl anything specific about these uh, the video stuff, yeah. then go to the announcements tab in the Facebook page, and it will be there. Oh. Um, Give me one of your wah wah wah. <laughs> basic, basic understanding of Facebook. Clearly not with me. Sorry, Kev. Next time. What an Egypt. I'm trying. I'm trying these. Uh, I'm practicing these Irish words now. Egypt. That is a proper Irish word, isn't it? Um, as I'm, I'm going almost going through the process now of going for the green passport, Kev. Are you? Yeah. Are you, where's your Irish roots? Well, as much as Joe Biden. <laughs> I know he's Scottish, isn't he? Or is he Irish? Oh, they claim everything, don't they? Um, my grandparents were Irish. Well, no, my uh, well, my natural, um, my natural mother, my natural mother. I mean, I, I was thinking my mum and dad, my adoptive mum and dad, as as my my natural mum and dad, really, but. But if you, blood, yeah, there we are. Blood relative mum uh, was uh, turns out she's Irish, Southern mm. Irish. Mm. Um, but the there, there's a slight problem in in proving association, which mm. is something to do with um, how adoptions happened back in the days. But we we know of her. You know my story about that, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could be related. I didn't know she was from Ireland. We could be related. What, Mullins could- and James. Uh, well, we that wasn't probably her her name, though, was it? Ah, uh, no, no. Tr- uh, of course, it wasn't. And James, of course, isn't as you know uh, my real name. <laughs> it's not even your name. Oh God! Well, I have another name. I have a, a, an original I birth name. What, you, do you, you, you want to know it. what my original birth name was? This will make you laugh. I'll, sure, I'll just give you my. I'll just give you my um, my surname. What was my original surname? Wiggins. Wiggins. That yeah. was your birth mother's surname, was yeah. it? Yeah. It's not very Irish, actually, is it? No. It sounds like you should be riding a bike. A bike. Yeah, oh, isn't... <laughs> no. What's his name? Bradley Wigglings. <laughs> Bradley Wigglings. Uh, I don't think that's his name. But, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of any way, Kev, any way that I can I can legally still cross over and work in Europe. Any way, Kev, any way. Uh, I know. Well, I've had, uh, funny enough, I've had, I must have had six or seven inquiries about European weddings uh, since the world started to open up again, and, yeah. and I've just said no to all of them. It's not, yeah. I just don't don't know what's going to happen brexit i don't want to go and then get caught in you know be like your, your dpd letters get stuck in customs for six months on the way back well we have to rescue you can i have my kev back <laughs> he's over there look just over there be like that what's that um ah oh, there's a brilliant film uh, it starred um this is no good the guy that got lost uh, got left in the airport and lived there for about seven years or something uh yeah um I want to say lost in translation, but it's not that, is it? It's um, lost in an airport. It was um, Tom Hanks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't have Wilson with him, did he? It, it was. Oh, I'm gonna have to look it up now. Look it up. Uh, the terminal. The terminal. You'll come back. Gemma will have married Jeff Goldblum at last. <laughs> right. Shall we crack on? Have you got questions? Do I have. You, yeah, I'll you, crack on. You go um, first. My, new, my newly promoted back to the top thread on oh. Facebook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I sorry. I, did, I didn't realise that's the way it worked. I thought you could put as many announcements as you wanted up there. Well, obviously, yeah. Not. You know, because it's been like that for thirty years on Facebook. But, yeah. yeah you know, I how would you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Timothy, Timothy Binder, a uh, friend of the show, of course. Yeah. Uh, he says, "Question, mates." Uh, why can't you save your custom recipes from X-Raw Studio to an X-T3 or earlier models? So uh, X-Raw Studio is a piece of software, free piece of software that FutureFilm supply that allows you to um, edit 
raw files as JPEGs effectively. And you can also create your own custom profiles and or custom recipes. And if you have an X-Trans 4 sensor camera or above, you can create the recipes in X-Raw Studio and then press a button and it will automatically update your menu settings in your camera, which is really, really, really handy. However, if, as Tim uh, quite rightly points out, if you have an older camera, you can't do that. You can suck the recipes off your camera to your computer so you can use them for editing. But what you can't do is push them back. Um, and that's probably just because the sensors are different, the software is different. And when they, uh, you know, when they did the big update to Extra Studio, which was the end of last year, I think, um, you know, they, they just did it for the, the new sensors, which probably, or the newer cameras, I should say, not so much sensors because you can do it with uh, JFX and stuff like that, which is probably all to do with the engineering of that software rather than uh, the fact that, you know, they, they thought, ah, balls to it, we won't bother with the older cameras. Right. I've never used that software. It's pretty good. I know. I know. Well, you, well, you, you eulogize about it, don't you? Yeah, it's really good, actually. If mm. you, It's really ace for... We've got another question coming up when I get to it about JPEGs, though. So, but it's really ace for people who uh, you know, want to get that JPEG, exactly the same JPEG look that a camera would produce, yeah. but on raw file. Yeah. It's shot raw. Because you, you won't get it exactly the same in Lightroom or Capture One, regardless of what anybody says. You won't get it exactly the same. So Actual Studio is your friend for that. A little bit, little bit of a laborious route of doing it. You have to plug the computer into the camera or camera into the computer and all that stuff which makes sense because the only way you can get that processing done is on the camera itself but kev if, if you've got like 300 350 400 images mm-hmm. uh, in fact you're likely to have even more on a card aren't you because you don't do your culling you, if you're having to do it all on the camera this is this is pre-culling isn't it no, 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 no. So you do your call in, you, you drag your, your cold files into a new folder and you point extra studio at that folder and then it just squirts those files back to the camera and brings them back to the computer again. Okay, all right, so it's not... But really it's not aimed at that kind of processing because if you were going to do all of your images like that, you might as well shoot JPEG or pro- at least JPEG and RAW on the camera. Yeah. It's really aimed at people who, you know, probably a little less less uh, file heavy and, uh, you know, just maybe want to try and get an exact look out of one particular image or a couple of images or something. When you go back to shooting your gazillion weddings, when when we all go back to shooting our gazillion weddings, uh, are you are you still? I mean, do you use that because you want to get the the JPEG look from your RAWs, or or do you just go straight through Lightroom, Kev? Um, well, to be honest with you, I don't really use JPEGs so much these days. Um, yeah, I, I used to I used to use them all the time, just yeah. JPEGs, and then I went through a period of shooting JPEG plus RAW, and now uh, you know, without wanting to be self promotional or anything, but I use my RAW presets. And I've got them to a T. They do exactly what I want. So I shoot raw and I get I get a little bit more of a filmic look than I think I get from the Fujifilm cameras. And that's perfect for me. So, yeah, I, I typically, I think going forward, it'll probably be the first season of weddings where I just shoot uh, raw to both memory cards and use the, use the presets. You're, you're going to have to start selling your presets at the weddings as a kind of like, do you want to buy some presets? Make, make your pictures look really good like mine. Look where I got in my coat. Look where I got in my coat. <laughs> yeah. Presets, anybody? Presets. Black and white this side, colour this side. Come here for the utilities. <laughs> yeah. Um, gee, look at this. I've got 113 unread notifications in LinkedIn. I was just looking into the email file there. Here's a personal question, Kev. I just Hang on. This question comes in from Mr Wiggins in Berkshire, who <laughs> writes to say, how do you keep on top of all the of getting back to everybody across all the different platforms, Kev? I mean, this is LinkedIn. I don't use LinkedIn very much, to be honest. And I know if I were running a commercial business, 
commercial that is in, in terms of corporate photography. I'd probably use LinkedIn a lot, lot more. But what with LinkedIn, WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, all different messages coming from different places. Do you remember that? Uh, the, oh, um, who was it that said, uh, don't, don't, it was, a, it was a YouTube film. He said, don't contact. Tom Hanks. Was it Tom Hanks? Not the Tom Hanks. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't Tom Hanks. Um, uh, there was uh, one of our favourite uh, photographers that was saying, don't contact me by this, 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 or this. I only get back to you if you email i think it was emailing in email me yeah i agree i i, I do something similar really and my facebook uh, messenger has an autoresponder uh, my business page messenger has an autoresponder says i will not reply here yeah go to my website and hit the contact form i don't give my clients my mobile number so they can't whatsapp me um i really i only get email i get emails and that's it i mean my personal facebook i get messages on although i've switched off the option to uh, allow non-friends to message me and they can request but i never see those and yeah i mean I, honestly I, I really i don't really suffer with it i used to suffer with it a bit more but not so much now i just all comes to email and yeah i'm happy that way i know when, when i hear people say they have a pa to answer messages i think what we don't need one of those and actually it's it's getting to a stage where the, there are so many different messages firing into so many different places Sometimes it's wood for the trees, Kev. It really is. And you, you think, well, what do I get to first? Like a, like a Jack Russell firing backwards and forwards. That one or that one? That ball or that ball? It's, it feels a bit like that at the moment. Instagram direct messages are the worst ones. I, yes. I don't mind Instagram direct messages. They're always kind, you know, always nice and I always reply to them. But they do stack up a little bit and I do end up... I actually have something in my little to-do list that's, that says... Uh, it's usually on a Tuesday. It says uh, reply to Instagram DMs. So I'll just wait till Tuesday and answer them. Are you still using your fancy... Uh, is it Todoist that you use? Or Todoist, yeah. Todoist, yeah. That that software. Well, I, I saw McKinnon uh, had uh, released a film um, that effectively was talking about going back to using notepads the other day mm. um, and that you put your eight... I think I don't know why it was an arbitrary sort of eight figure, but um, the eight things that you want to achieve in a day written down, apparently you're more likely to do it once you've written them down and ticked them off. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, eight things and, you know, demigods of task lists and all that kind of stuff. We all put things down and then never do them. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with the fact that if you're sensible with your task lists, then, you know, they're achievable and always start with the stuff you don't like. Don't start with the stuff you like most. Do the stuff you don't like first and then you get through it much quicker. That's definitely true. I'd be spending my life doing accounts. Yeah, well, that's what I do first thing in the morning. I do my bookkeeping, which, of course, has been like very simple to do for the last 16 months. Yeah. I just I open up um, QuickBooks and then close it again. <laughs> <laughs> I open it up. I do all the things that are going out and yeah. search for anything coming in. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I did, today, the only thing I put into my QuickBooks account was uh, my bounce back loan payment. <laughs> oh, Kev! <laughs> that's it, yeah. I know. I've, there we go. I forgot about that. I did see it go out the other day. I thought, oh, look at that. There we go, Boris. Enjoy. Yeah, I, I know it's not Boris's fault. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't start it. Um, he didn't start the fire, as the song goes. Billy Joel. Um, here's one from Wayne Lovey's longtime listener from Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. Oh, that sounds a lovely place, doesn't it, Labrador? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Photography Daily and uh, Fujicast, friend of the show, are my podcast mainstays. Well, thank you very much uh, on behalf of both shows for for that. Fujicast, when it was daily, was a, a constant COVID-calming companion on my morning walks. It was like years and years and years and years and years ago. It does, doesn't it? I mean, it was only a year ago, Kev. I know. I feel about years and years and years and years older, though. Do you? Yeah. I've got a two-part question for each of you. 
first, what was your scariest or most embarrassing moment as a photographer? Wow. Mm. I've, I've had heightened moments of anxiety when you can't find a church and there's 10 minutes to go till the till the yeah. blooming service is starting. I've had that a couple of times. I don't know if that's scary, though. I watched Dan Mace, funny enough. I've had a bit of a YouTube thing over the last 24 hours. I watched Dan Mace who's a, a YouTuber who I, I think is a, I, I used to, he used to work for Casey, didn't he? And, and I think he has something to do with Pete McKinnon as well, but he, he put himself in a shark cage cause he's making a film about sharks. And uh, on, on his honeymoon, uh, he took, he, his new, his wife, uh, she hates sharks. She hates the ocean actually, but he decided to go on a day out um, into a shark cage with her. Uh, in the sharkiest place you can find, just off the coast in South Africa. Sharkiest. Well, they are. He is South African, though, isn't he? That guy. He is. Yeah. People have been brought up with that that kind of mentality. Uh, sharkiest. Well, <laughs> <laughs> listen. I know for a fact the sharkiest place on the planet is Merthyr Tydfil. <laughs> uh, the inland shark. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. You mean real sharks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Scariest moments. I've had a couple. Go on then. I've had, uh, I'm not sure whether they're embarrassing or not. Um, scariest, probably, well, I've got two really that, that freaked the life out of me. One was when the old woman dropped dead. Oh, I thought you might mention that one, yeah. Uh, we, we've talked about that before, yeah. so we won't go into it too much. But anyway, uh, an old woman. No, but there's always, there's always new listeners, Kev, so go on, tell us again. Okay, so an old woman dropped dead right in front of me. I said to her, come on, let's do this, because it was the, the um, tossing of the bouquet, and she just died. That was it, just died. Well, like, that was awful, wasn't it? It was awful. Yeah, I think absolutely. from memory, and unless I've embellished this in my mind now, with due respect to the lady that passed, didn't she have? I mean, she she died with a a, a drink in front of her and a fag in her mouth or something. She did die with a smile on her face. Uh, yeah. She did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bless her. She was she was very old as well. So anyway, that that was uh, yeah that was that was awful. Um, and then uh, the other thing that happened, which was. Like year, years and years and years and years ago, I remember going to a wedding. I can't remember where it was now, but the bride had said to me, "Oh no, it wasn't the bride. The the um, wedding planner had said, right, they're gonna. We've got these lovely stairs. This is where the way the bride and, and her dad are going to come down. Um, even though they were in another part of this this big house. And so I was like, okay, fine, fair enough. I'll wait to the bottom of those stairs and get you know, a couple of shots of them coming down. Didn't really hear anything. You know, like it was it was like five minutes after the ceremony was due to start. Couldn't you normally you hear like the the doors opening and the, the the girls gaggling and you know things like that nothing and then i heard the uh the it wasn't here comes the bride but whatever music we had is there <laughs> their processional song and i was like that doesn't sound good and so uh, and, the, and the ceremony room was like the other end of the building <laughs> off i trotted <laughs> in my outfitting suit and my camera's <laughs> knocking around my knees and uh i just got there just kind of i went sliding into the room you know like uh, like a little kid on 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 a newly polished floor sliding into the room got to the just to the back of the aisle as she was getting to the front of the aisle with her dad managed to get a couple of shots from the back and <laughs> i was like the sweat pouring off me my heart was palpitated you know everything was just i was like how the hell did this happen and uh, and i spoke to her afterwards i was like um yeah we meant to come down those stairs she said oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah we were we decided that you know we could be bothered we'd just take the shortcut <laughs> <laughs> i was like great brilliant well don't expect any pictures of you taking the shortcut that's yeah. for sure <laughs> what about uh, then he said what about your proudest moment kev oh proudest uh what at a wedding yeah well n- not necessarily it can be photography actually as, as a photographer 
I don't know really. I got. I'm quite happy. I'm quite proud of lots of things that I've done. Um, to be honest with you, which I think people should be. I'm proud that I published a book. Oh yeah. I'm proud that I stood up in front of a thousand people in Argentina and you know showed them my pictures. I'm proud that I've uh, you know Fujifilm did a, a um, exhibition of all my work in Tokyo. Um, yeah, I'm proud of lots of things like that. There's a little thing here. Kev. Hold on. Yeah, there we go. The testimonials file. Um, I'm proud of the, the, the letters and the cards in there because mm. um, o- often things like that. And and actually, are they mini proud moments? I don't know. Could uh, The other day I had a – I mean, it's, it's, it's built around a sad occasion, but the other day I had a phone call from uh, a bride whose wedding I covered well, almost exactly 10 years ago. And um, – she said, well, her her mother had passed and uh, there were a couple of pictures that she, she really needed as as big prints. And then you sort of spent quite a long time talking about her day and the fact that, you know, the photographs mean a lot to her and all those kind of things that sound like a, a cliche, but uh, do make you feel proud to have done what you've done. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things people... Yeah, that absolutely that kind of thing should make you proud, should make anybody proud. Um, Whenever you yeah. make, make a difference. I, actually, I, and you know, it's photographic, but I'm really proud of that. Those uh, those three months we did as a as a daily, um, mm-hmm. and and you know battling the COVID thing mentally as we did, I'm pretty yeah. proud of that. Yeah, I can't remember that. Mind, I was just drunk. <laughs> okay, <laughs> three months. I remember my next door neighbour getting COVID, and he went, oh, "Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit like having a hangover for two days." I said, "I think I've had COVID for seven months." <laughs> God, I know. I know. Um, are you double jabbed yet, by the way? Yes, I am. I had it on Friday. Oh, there we go. I'm uh, currently licking the microphone as we speak. Well, that's right. That's your microphone. It's when you can lick the handrails at Swindon Railway Station. That, yeah. <laughs> that's when I'll be impressed. <laughs> I'm yeah. not, I'm not yes, quite... I'm double jabbed. I'm officially a double jabber. Double jabber. There we boop, go. Boop. Right, I think we've got time for one more from the Facebook group, uh, from the post that was sadly relega- <laughs> relegated to the to the depths of of, of thread space. All right, this one's from Wallace Shackleton, and uh, he says he starts this one by saying this one borders on heresy. Right, uh, and he says I love Fujifilm cameras, but I dislike the film simulations. All the simulations have various undesired qualities. Uh, when all I want is accurate colour. Do you think Fujifilm will ever introduce a raw raw into their simulations for people like myself and those who crave accurate colours, such as product photographers? Mm. Um, and then he says, by the way, I'm opening up my own baked potato franchise from Neil called Crabbit Spud. <laughs> <laughs> that's great crabbits but there's there's, there's going to be a whole load of uh baked potato vans popping up around the world did i did, <laughs> I, did I mention to you i think i mentioned to you the other day I've, ha- I've had an even better idea for our baked potato van or maybe we mentioned this on the show i can't remember hot spuds like hot fuzz but hot, hot spuds yeah that's good yeah it's like that hot spuds um uh, raw, raw 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 yeah so the question i think essentially because of course when you shoot raw there is no film simulation applied okay so that is raw raw so i'm a little bit confused by the question i have to say but i'm going to work on the assumption that wallace wants to shoot jpeg but doesn't want a film simulation applied okay that's my that's what i'm trying to read into this into this question in which case the you basically do have that with the um the pro, what's the first standard. one the, standard 
Yeah, standard Provia. Um, although that is a film simulation, of course, it is meant to emulate the Provia film simulation. Uh, sorry, film stock. So, um, yeah, you're not going to get a JPEG that doesn't have any kind of film simulation on it. However, even when I used to shoot Canon back in the day, and I would shoot JPEG then, you yeah. still had those Canon profiles. I think. Well, there's yeah, portrait, landscape. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think there will be a JPEG that just has nothing on it because effectively that's a raw file. And if it's the size of the raw files that you're um, concerned about, then obviously you can shoot compressed raw. Uh, it's lossless. So, yeah, uh, interesting interesting thought process. Um, I'm just maybe not reading it quite right. Uh, well, always write back to us, Wallace, and say, oh, listen, this is what I meant, but um, are all raw files... Um, uh, on a level playing field. I mean, is raw, raw, raw uh, out of a Canon, uh, out of a Fujifilm, uh, out of a Nikon, 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 out of a, you know, and and so on and so forth. Do they have a different feeling to them? Is is that what Wallace means? That that are uh, all raw files aren't equal. No, they're not. Raw, raw files are different from every every camera. Um, even raw files from different X-Trans sensors in the Fujifilm range are different. So, yeah, you're never going to get... Like, raw isn't a... I mean, raw is a standard, if you like, but it's not a, It's not like a standard that every single camera, if they produce a raw file... If you, t- if you shot 15 pictures on 15 different cameras of the same thing in raw, you are not going to get 15 identical raw images. No. You're going to get different depths, you're going to get different colours, you're going to get different uh, saturations, and, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I don't think there is such a thing... As kind of just a blank in, even in video when you're shooting um, log in video you've got things like F-Log for Fujifilm you've got C-Log for Canon uh, presumably Nikon has one called N-Log don't know but presumably Sony's do S-Log and that's their raw version of uh, of movies uh, filming and those are different those are very different even in raw format they, they look very different from other cameras so that's all part of the process of choosing the camera you want to use, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Wallace, if, if we haven't answered it uh, uh, quite like you expected, right back. We're always here. Um, right, Carl Hare. Last week we started talking about um, turning the video button on, and uh, it was it's quite a subject, actually. So we split it into two, and here comes part two. In part one of our, our chat, Carl, we... We closed with a real cliffhanger that is focusing. And um, we discovered you'd spent uh, hours of 2020's original lockdown collating and notating every tracking sensitivity for every lens that you use for filming. A kind of a Bible settings, really, that you're going to share. So in part two, let's pick up with focusing again. A lot of people who make videos do choose to manually focus. And it's a, it's a habit I'm into still. There are, of course, tools that you can use to help you do this. If you if you don't have your dedicated Hollywood focus puller that we learned about last week, the tool that we have to our disposal is Peaking, which is um, within the camera focusing settings menu. Now, I personally use red, though there are different colours you can choose, aren't there? Yes, there's red, blue, yellow and white in the newer cameras. I generally use red as well in high. Yeah. It's nice and contrasty and you can see it against most colours, most backgrounds. 
Um, aspect ratio, 16.9, although 17.9, isn't, isn't that the standard smartphone ratio? It is now, yeah, with the bigger screens. Yeah. Damn those pesky smartphones <laughs> ruining our videography and photography. So, yeah, so you, you do have different choices. I generally use 16 by 9 because then I can use it on any monitor, TV, computer, smartphone, but it will crop the edges slightly. Um, it's the most general, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I use 16 by 9. 98% of the time. Right. Bitrate. Now, this is where a lot of eyes raise to the ceiling and maybe even glaze over. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, no, Neil. Megabits per second. What? 100, <laughs> 100 to 200. This is the, I mean, you say, as you said before, this is the data rate of the video file from the camera to your SD card in megabits per second. Is it important to know a lot about it? It's not important to know a lot about it, but it is important to understand what it is. Right. Once it's generally set, I can guarantee you'll probably never change it. But to understand the relationship between the data coming off of the sensor and onto your memory card for shooting video might mean that you need to buy bigger, faster cards. Right. Depending on the camera that you shoot it with. And of course, the the, the more you, you the more you the higher you set it at. The, the more of a nightmare it's going to be in the edit, isn't it, as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're getting a much bigger file, yeah. more quality, and it will take a while to download, render, export, perhaps. So for, for recording purposes, what would you set that bit rate at? I think in the post I put between 100 and 200. Right. Um, if I want extra quality, I guess, in air quotes, I'd set it at 200. Mm, um, okay. If I'm just going to Wi-Fi it to my smartphone or put it to my Mac and then airdrop it to a smartphone or send it to the family, then I'd put it in. 100. I don't need all the data no. clogging up the memory card. And in that respect as well, while we're sort of around that menu-ish, dynamic hmm. range is, a, is another uh, setting, which has always confused me, really, because there are, there are various options here. You can have auto or... Uh, and I've always thought, if it says auto, stick it in auto, but that's not the case, is it? Auto is very good, but having gotten into video a lot more over the last two or three years, I like to tell the camera what I want it to do. And there's nothing worse than, you know, you've done this lovely video, you've sent it to your family and then halfway through the shot, your, I don't know, auto ISO changes and it goes suddenly dark, 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 and then back up to bright, bright, bright. I think for people that want to just dabble, auto is fantastic because the camera can think a lot quicker than you can. But for people who want to take a little bit more control and that are maybe starting to get into content creation a bit more or um, want to produce a short film or something like that, having those options of 100, 200 and 400, that will use a different base ISO as its judge for that. I generally use 200, which will use a base ISO of 400, and then that will try and maximise the amount essentially of editing power you have at the end to bring down the highlights, raise up the shadows, or play around with your in-camera settings. So, I mean, ISO-wise, a lot of people get confused about about what, what the perfect ISO is for, for video mm. work. Now, you have said that you're prepared to work up to 1600 ISO. I, I don't personally go near that, but... But I, I normally stick around the 400 to 800. But you're suggesting here dynamic range 200, 400 ISO is kind of a bit of a magic formula. That, that's what I found useful for me. Your mileage may vary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but with sensor technology, you know, sensors now being ISO invariant or having dual gain ISO in some of the, yeah. you know, Panasonic and Sony cameras now, you can shoot at a much higher ISO but get a much cleaner mm. final image. 
Um, file format. I was comfortable with H.264. I knew where I was. And then somebody introduced something new, which is more, <laughs> which is more compressed and takes longer to edit, but it's better. Um, 265. Tell me the difference, because then, then, um, then we'll come on to movie compression as well. Yeah, file. I was H.264 for everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think Apple started HEVC, which is H.265, yeah. in their JPEGs and video it's just a lot more compressed. The file sizes are smaller, but it retains the quality. So it's a bit like uh, lossless compressed in JPEG and RAW in photos. But because it's so compressed and so packaged up really well, when you put it into your editing suite, you need a really, really good computer to sort of unpack it. Yeah. And it takes a long time. It's a more efficient codec, though, in terms of the camera side. For most of the time, most of my shooting, I shoot in H.264, mainly because you get 8-bit in camera, I get 10-bit out to a recorder. So if I need to edit something or colour grade, I can use the 10-bit footage because most of the time I use a recorder now. Um, but if I do need something quick, then I've got the 8-bit footage. I can put the SD card straight into my computer and job's done. So 8 and 10-bit, so you've, you've, you've entered another language now. Um, <laughs> 8 and 10, difference? Uh, a lot of colours. Mm. 8 bits, great if you're not going to do any grading. If you're not going to edit your footage, dramatically increase exposure, decrease exposure. 10 bits, great if you're going to start colour grading. Right. Uh, you get a lot more colours, you get a lot more latitude for editing. And you see this in cameras for stills as well. You see 14 bit, 16 bit, mm. 12 bit. It's just the amount of colours and the amount of gradients in the colour that you get. And H.264 is? 8-bit uh, in-camera, 10-bit mm -hmm. external to a recorder. Um, movie compression. There's a few here. Long Gop, um, F-Log. What's the other one? Uh, all Intra. All Intra, yeah. What, what do I use? Um, again, it depends what you're shooting. The two that you'll see in most consumer, prosumer cameras are All Intra and Long Gop. All Intra saves every single video frame as a single frame. Right. A bit like shooting in burst mode in stills, if you will. Whereas long gop stands for long group of pictures. And what it does, it saves a keyframe every, I think it's 10 or 12 frames, yeah. and then sort of guesstimates what happens in between. Now, all intra is good for shooting stuff that moves because you need each frame to build that movement through its motion. Whereas if you're shooting in long gop, the camera's got to go, well, did he move left? Did he move right? What am I doing? Did he go up? got to think about this and it's got to guess what happens between each keyframe so for anyone that's shooting anything that moves sports motorsports kids running around i would shoot with all intra all intra yeah and if you're shooting uh, a talking head youtube video where there is no movement long gop but if, are we talking lots of what have you sort of moved just slightly to one side and then the other side is that still a no-no for long gop even even if you're doing a, a talking head where where your head is moving because there's natural movement um, in your sort of dynamic delivery to camera, or is long gop still good enough for that? Long gop's good enough for that for short movements. Right. So if I'm moving my hands or I move from left to right in the frame a bit, it's absolutely fine. It's when you start getting into the sports, fast cars, runners, mm. kids running around, they can be very erratic. Yeah. Um, so that's when I would then switch over. F log? Oh, F log. I put confused, befuddle, and perplex. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that takes a while to sort of understand and uh, to edit and grade and get the right settings and the right conditions to use it, which is why I sort of don't recommend it for people, really. 
Um, film simulation modes. I- I've always thought you'd like a sort of flat profile to make editing more flexible, or colour correction, or grading, as as we're referring it to here. That's what the, the grading word is, colour correction in video. Um, a, a turner, a flatter profile. Is that is that the... Is that the the best um, colour profile to use if you want a, a decent amount of latitude when you're you're changing things in post production? Yeah, absolutely. If you are going to sort of sit down and go through editing and want to change colours, change your white balance, change your background colour, yeah, bring out the contrast, etc. So do you, you'd use a Turner then, would you? So I'd use just a Turner straight out of the camera, no changes to my highlight, shadow, colour, maybe even turn it down. Right. I try and get everything right in camera as much as I can. Uh, I've done it with photography for years, shooting film. Granddad was a film photographer, shot a lot of stuff with the RAF, and he's always sort of instilled in me to get it as right as you can in the camera, camera which yeah. is why I come up with the little recipes. Yeah. So they're what I use most of the time, I guess. Again, your mileage may vary. You might not like it. You might want to be a bit more saturated, a little bit less contrasty. In which you case, you'd those. probably just use standard then, wouldn't you? Yeah, it'll give you a nice base to work from. Yeah. I think Eterna just gives you that more cinematic look it's because like it's based it. on a cinema film. Yeah, yeah. Tally light, that's simply the, the, the red light that flashes when you're, um, when you're recording. But you can do different things with it, can't you? Yeah, so you can either turn it on, completely on. You can have it flash in. Have it on on the front, off on the back, yeah. vice versa. I generally set it up so that it's flashing on the front and back just so that I know the camera's still recording. I've had it a couple of times where the camera stopped recording after five minutes because the memory card's run out or yeah. battery's gone or whatever, and I haven't noticed. Now, that's a really important note, actually. So that's the way you'd set your tally lights up. But what happens if you're recording and you're recording, say, a, I don't know, a talking heads? And you've not been diligent and you have not noticed that um, the, there is not enough on this card. You've got seven minutes of interview, but only four minutes of card. And it stops at the end of the four minutes. Does it Does it maintain, does it remember what's on it? Or have you just corrupted that because you weren't diligent enough to stop it before it got to the end of the card? Uh, so it will just stop where it gets to and cut off the filming so although it's not great practice you'll you'll generally not lose all your footage it'll just stop right let's let's move on to a, another cool tool we have to help us as filmmakers get exposure spot on zebras is another or zebras um all zebras are not equal are there there's a percentage level on this just to add a layer of, of confusion zebras are what they're a way of they're a a highlight warning aid so yeah. they tell you when you're getting close to overexposed okay. that's it um it's based on a scale brought out by some cinema boffins many many years ago a hundred percent would be overexposed or bright white no information left at all i generally set mine at 90 percent or 85 percent, just so that i know i've got the latitude in the highlights to underexpose overexpose uh, so and it's great for skin tones well, that's the camera sorted. Life is easy. But there is one thing we haven't tackled. Microphones. First up, the reason for having it as, a, as an accessory, Carl, and, and not just using the simple onboard mic that does come with each camera. Yeah, so every camera comes with onboard mics. Generally, uh, at the front of the camera, stereo mic, got two little inputs. On the Fujifilm cameras, it's either side of the electronic viewfinder hump. They're good. They're all right. But you do get a lot of wind noise. You can hear lenses autofocus. You can hear people breathe in if they're too close. So if you haven't got anything else, they're all right. You can get by. 
use them as ambient if you want to. Mm. Uh, but I would really, and you'll sort of attest this, Neil, from your background, audio is one of the things that people will never forgive. Yeah. If there's bad audio, everything's bad. So that's why I would then go and spend some money on a half-decent external microphone. And what sort of thing would you... Would you use? I assume that you um, you're, you're popping it into the the hot shoe on the top, uh, unless you want to get your microphone really really close to the talent, of course, and you're using something like a lavalier, which you which you'll have to sync up later. But the the only way of doing it without having to, I actually no, you could you could get a wireless, couldn't you? But but generally, if you, are you putting a shotgun on the top, a small shotgun? Uh, again, it depends what I'm filming. Okay. So uh, if I'm filming a behind the scenes from an event, yeah, I'll use a shotgun mic on the camera yeah. just to get the ambient noise from the event. If I'm doing an interview or a talking head like this, then you can do it two ways. You can either go wireless or a, a long cable is the other way. The setup I've got at the minute in my desk is I've got a small mic stand on my desk behind the computer. I've got a little boom arm and I'm actually using a, a Rode VideoMic Pro Plus, which is a shotgun mic yeah. on a boom arm plugged in with a long cable into the camera. Just so that I don't have any sync issues, uh, I don't get drifting audio where you're a frame or half a frame out and it looks like you've sort of overdubbed the footage um, but most modern day wireless stuff is very good these days the Rode wireless go 2 is extremely very good uh, there are other microphones sennheiser do one and there are some more cost effective options as well now which is nice but when, when it comes to choosing the levels because you've, of course you've got lots of options here you could choose to just have um, auto level on but that's probably not the right way to go is it i think if you're going to start getting into audio and start learning i think it's nice to be able to take control as we said for things like auto iso and they're great as a starting point but audio is one of those things that changes very dynamically from scene to scene from footstep to footstep from going inside to outside and the camera does an okay job of trying to do its best but from what I found, most cameras in the internal mic, even external mic, the auto settings aren't Too not, good, no. it's not that good, but no. they're not able to change as effectively as you are. Audio is something we could probably do a, a, an entire hour on, but ho hopefully that's helped you make a decision on why you would choose between uh, having an external mic and using the one on board. There, there is one final bit, actually, which is filters, variable ND filters neutral density filters. Atta attaching it to the lens, I've always found a bit of a problem. I, I, I don't know whether you know of this, but the, the H&Y Revo ring, because you're, you're going to have a really expensive ND filter, but you're not going to have one for every single size of your lenses. So you can either use lots and lots of step up and step down rings, or I think this Revo ring is really good because it, it's kind of, it springs into place. But you definitely have an, you, you definitely work with an ND filter. Yeah, I saw the Revo ring um, this week at mm. one of the retailers that I was in. It looks a fantastic bit of kit. Yeah, <laughs> it looks I've, really, really helpful. I, I invested in the, um, in the Kickstarter, so I've, I've got a few in the cupboard here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, variable ND, if I'm shooting outside, shooting with lighting, it are I think it's one of those things that you absolutely need in your kit bag. Yeah. Depending on the lenses that you've got, at the minute I'm using step up and step down rings just because it makes it easier for me. I've got two filters. I generally shoot with two cameras. Yeah. Most of the time there are 77 mil filter front. Sometimes you get an 82 or a 72 sometimes. Yeah. So as long as I've got those sort of three main step up rings, or step down rings, I'm all right. It's when you start getting into, well, I've got an 18 to 55, which is a 58 mil. Yeah. I've got an MK 50 to 130, which is an 82. 
And then you have to have the whole bunch of step-up rings. So that's where that Revo ring would be yeah, really so nice. That, that's why you need a Revo ring for Christmas. Oh, see? Shameless plug. Get one for Christmas. That's have it. you got an Amazon affiliate link? Along, along with your XH2. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'd get one more mention in at yeah, least of it. Brilliant. <laughs> Good for my word. Carl, this has been brilliant. Thank you for this. You know, you could go into each one of these and pull it apart even further. But um, let's not frighten people to death. Let's uh, have a good starting ground. And of course, you're in the Facebook group of people should want to ask more questions, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in there most of the time. Video is one of those things I think a lot of people should try more. Just to try it out. It doesn't hurt. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to bite your hand off. You know, I'm a photographer that's come into videography. Um, Just press the button. Do it. Take the leap. Our thanks to Carl Hare, Fujifilm product specialist. And I'm, uh, well, we're so thankful that he agreed to set this out over the last couple of weeks here on this year's show. But if you're still confused about how to film stuff and video is uh, something that bamboozles you, then Carl has uh, kindly said he's happy to answer follow-up questions in the Fujicast Facebook group. His post is in there waiting for your feedback and further questions. Coming soon, Andreas Georgiadis is back. Uh, for more Ask Andreas, where you get to quiz him about Fujifilm moving forward. Products already out, products that may be on your wish list. Thoughts and opinions and likes and wishes and wants. Uh, we'll post in the Facebook group again soon for that. And if you like your podcasts about photography, then uh, have you tried as part of uh, your week, your weekly listening, Photography Daily, the Friday Photo Walk edition. Every Friday, I take a microphone and a bunch of your thoughts about photography out into the countryside. Sometimes their ideas, sometimes their feedback, sometimes questions, sometimes thoughts about projects. We feature the pictures that you make on your photo walks on the show page. It's your show and we play in one to two minute inspiration islands from previous guests. It's the Photo Walk, part of Photography Daily, available wherever you get your podcasts. Right, back to your questions. Um, Oh, yes, Johan Borhead. Hello, Neil. Hello, Kev. Hope you're doing well. You can't love it all. (laughs) I'm worried about this question already. What are some of your biggest gripes with the Fujifilm system? What do you miss? And what would you change if you could have one day making all the calls at Fujifilm? We did have a, a kind of a question, well, ish, mm-hmm. like this when when we had to design our perfect camera, didn't we, Kev? But yeah. um, I suppose he's gone one step back to say, well, what are the gri- what are the gripes you might have with the system now? Mm. Uh, well, I would. I've got my X one hundred V in front of me right yeah. now. Um, I would. I don't like the placement of some of the buttons on this camera. AFL, AEL button. It should be where the rear command dial is in my world um, because that's that's what I use. Don't use the rear command dial for rear command dialing things. So I would prefer to have the AFL there. In fact, I mean, you can do it as a custom uh, button. So I've uh, allocated my rear command dial as AFL, but it's a dial rather than a button. It's not so would, easy, is it? Uh, yeah, on the X Pro range, I want the AFL button. <laughs> I did once. Uh, the, the AFL button is too. It's receipt. It's not. It's flush with the body. A little bit like the Q button on the newer cameras. And so you can't. Re- it's not tactile enough. You know. If you have you got your X one hundred V there now? Uh, you, yeah, I have. Yep. You see, the Q button is ta- is is receded. So you can't feel it. It's not oh, receded. It's flush. Oh yeah. If you have the camera to your eye, 
that Q button, you can't figure out, you don't know whether you've got your finger over it or not. No, you don't. You're right. uh, and that's true of the AFL button on the X Pro as well. And I remember when they were when we were doing some of the um, Q&A for the X Pro 2 and there were samples and stuff going around, they had the AFL button and they placed it in the right place. And uh, I, my message I sent back saying, oh, we need, it needs to be tactile, it can't be flush. And I sent a message back saying, all you need is a little nipple on it. That's all you need. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then many years later, I was having a chat with one of the uh, engineers. I can't remember when, and uh, and he said, uh, "Oh, how we laughed at the at the uh, Google translation of that, that email." <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Yeah, all you need is a nipple. Uh, anyway, they, you definitely they, would have got a we, we shall consider off the back of that one. Kev's gone mad. That Mullins has gone mad. They firmly put that in the wee shot. Yeah, bet what, they did. It still hasn't got a nipple. <laughs> no, I know. Your camera is nippleless. I uh, know. It's awful. I know. In the world we live in as well, just anybody, uh. they should all be allowed a nipple. Yeah, things like that. I Do you want more flippy, uh, for, for fear of annoying one particular person, more flippy, <laughs> more flippy screens, maybe? No, I'm not fussed on flippies. No, I, like, I, I really like the flip screen in the X100V. I think that's perfect. It's nicely yeah. receded. Personally, I'd quite like the, um, the, dial, the switch for um, manual custom uh, sorry manual continuous and single shot to be uh, on the front of all of the cameras rather than on the side of some and on the front of others yes agree with that yeah that's it i mean but yeah, apart, apart from that it's perfect says kev yeah i mean of course we'd all like to have a, a never-ending battery and i would love for the x100 range to have dual card slots um don't think it will ever happen not without it becoming a huge camera i do wish that they would move away from using those horrible two and a half mil audio jacks for some of the cameras um which they seem to have done now for the the, the kind of big boy cameras yeah there is there is bits and pieces you know there are there are a few things that when you think about it you do kind of I think yeah I mean on the original cameras they, there was awkward stuff such as the if you had a tripod on you couldn't change the, the battery and all that kind of stuff and yeah. you know, you start, well, and, and, and also that blooming Q button on the um, on the X Pro 1 yeah I, I I mean the Q if you look at the Q button on the X100V it's so small and yeah it's right where your thumb would would rest mm. I bet so many people click that by mistake you know you can allocate it but well i don't know i think it's uh, because it's flush i don't think you would it's not easy to press is it i mean i'm, I'm just having to i'm just trying i'm wiping my thumb across the body now and it's not it's not accidentally triggering it but yeah um kev wants more buttons in different places yeah I, 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 well yeah yeah essentially but no i actually want less buttons i prefer less buttons i don't know but yes anyway <laughs> I just want a little black box. A little uh, uh, and a little eyepiece wouldn't go amiss. Actually, a little rubber eyepiece that uh, that protru- uh, that that protrudes a bit more. Because what? if you're a left if you're a lefty eye shooter with a 100V, I do find that the the light there's a little bit of light leak that comes around. Yeah, I mean, I find that a bit annoying. Are you a left eye shooter? I am. Yeah. God, that's weird. And Irish, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on my own with left eye shooting. There's a lot of people that do it. That that's why rangefinders to me have never really made that much difference. Yeah, no, it is a problem for left eyes. And and you, if you're a left eye shooter, you have to turn off the touchscreen as well because you end up deleting images with your massive noses. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You end up with nose marks on your screen all the time. Oh, that sounds hideous, doesn't it? But for for me, actually having um, 
having a, an XT is probably more like a rangefinder for me because there is one eye that's not covered. Yeah. The rangefinder that never was. But, but by and large, I love them. I think, you know, if somebody, let's just say somebody who lived in Malmesbury was a wedding photographer, and which there is loads of them, but let's just say one of them on a Saturday morning said, oh, I can't get to a wedding. Can you do it for me? And, I, and here's my cameras. And they gave me something else. I would be lost. I really wouldn't have a clue. I mean, I could probably figure it out, but I would just be all sixes and sevens. Yeah. How many I'm uh, in tune with these cameras? How many uh, wedding photographers are there in Malmesbury? It can't be that many. Hundreds. No. Hundreds of them. Yeah. Taking my work. There's plenty of work. Oh no, there isn't. <laughs> right. Um, we've got time for one from the uh, the Facebook group, and then we'll go for book of the week. Okay, so uh, this is one from uh, Nanto Sealins. Oh, he says, in, in, in the last episode, number 186, mm. Kevin talked about backing books on Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of projects on there to wade through. Currently, 3,710 publishing projects. Yeah. Is there anything in particular you look for when trying to find books, or do you just sift through the lot? Um normally what happens now is Kickstarter sends me an email and says, you back this, you might be interested in this. Yeah. Uh, and they're usually pretty accurate. So that's typically what happens. Although occasionally I do go on there and have a have a little kind of guy. I normally just type in photo book. And there's all kinds of things. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who literally have zero backers because the what they're trying to do is is just doesn't make any sense but then there's some really interesting ones like the the melbourne one that i backed years ago so years ago probably about three years ago never even heard of him um and you know we did we reviewed that book i can't remember the name now but we reviewed that book probably 60 70 episodes ago but yeah that kind of thing kind of just comes up but you you do end up you know, you have to kind of wade through the um, the rough to get to the smooth, if you like. Um, I wonder how. I wonder what the percentages of of books that uh, do make you know effectively zilch and and never see the light of day. I would imagine there must be quite a lot. Loads. It, you you you've got to be pretty spectacular to get your books back, your yeah. photo books backed, because a lot of them seem to be that they just you know they're like family snapshot albums, which are fine, but you shouldn't be trying to make money out, or you shouldn't get other people to pay for for the publishing of those, and so you know they get nothing. Um, and I don't know how Kickstarter works in terms of whether there's a fee for that, whether there's like a fine for not not getting anything. Mm. I know obviously they take a fee at the end when they 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 kind of take all the money away. Just just have a look. Once you back one. You, you tend to get an email that says, you know, you might be interested in this as well. Because, I mean, there's a book in everyone, as we always say, but um, are there enough people that want to, to back your idea? It has to, be, has to be pretty special, doesn't it? There's definitely a book in Monty. <laughs> yeah. He's had a good old gnaw on a load of mine. <laughs> oh, poor old Monty. We haven't talked about him for ages. Yeah, I came home last night and there was a uh, half uh, empty box of half empty packet of digestive biscuits down the side of the sofa. Uh, and I immediately, you know, said to the kids, "Oh, come on, look, you know, we got to try. We got we've got to all try and put things back and all that kind of stuff." And they both looked at me very blankly and uh, it was probably Breezy. She's staring at me, you know, licking her chops. She'd actually opened the cupboard. Oh, Breezy had. Yeah. Oh, oh she's a real no. she, she's a real table surfer she's awful she? and she's she's got no no manners whatsoever she'll just take things that are left anywhere if she can get hold of them but that's a trait of whippets See? whereas monty will let her do all the work and then he'll just like have have whatever's left <laughs> a boy monty you're the one aren't you? i know i know i know you're gorgeous right book of the week this week it's it's elliot Irwitt. it is but it's not an elliot Irwitt. 
um, kind of in, in a traditional, well, it is in the traditional sense, but mm. it's not like one of his famous kind of tomes of a book. It's actually a very small A5 paperback by Thames and Hudson. So Thames and Hudson do a series of books called Photofile, P-H-O-T-O-F-I-L-E. Um, so there's a whole load of them and they are, you know, they're like these little pocket books, but, but it's really, really nice introduction, if you like, into the work of certain photographers. And this one obviously is uh, Elliot Irwitt and the blurb, as it says, uh, is a uh, magnum reporter Elliot Irwitt, born 1928, is a witty photographer with an eye that is not always optimistic, but he's always stylish. Sudden coincidences and chance encounters with objects and situations allow him to capture glimpses of the ridiculous or comical side of everyday events. Dogs are his favourite subject, an affectionate metaphor for human frailties. Irwitt's visual jokes become striking and pithy observations about life. So on the front cover, we have uh, the very, very iconic picture of uh, two two sets of legs. One of them is a Great Dane. One of them is a woman's uh, legs. Yeah. And then you have that little tiny chihuahua. I think it's a chihuahua with a funny little hat on, which is a you know very iconic photo. But the good thing, the, what I love about this little book is, and I often kind of pick this up, is there's there's like an essay at the beginning, uh, three or four kind of um, pages uh, by Elliot talking about his work. And then literally it's just 60, 70 odd pages uh, it's just an image on each side with the title on the on the opposite side. So one image per spread, if you like, on the right hand side, all black and white, of course, being Elliot. Um, although he did do some fantastic color work. Mm. Um, so I'm just flipping. <laughs> I just flipped to number seventeen, Ile de Levant, of France, 1968. And it's a picture of a man and uh, they're in a nature reserve and he's bending over to pick something up. So it's not the most pleasant picture to start with. But that's, that's the humour, isn't it? The, the, this sort of light humour yeah. that, that he's he's so well known for, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So page 23, Key West, Florida. Um, we've got a, and so this is 1968, and we've got a um, one of those beach trains. And you've got a couple of uh, people jogging on the beach, and then you've got this woman. It looks like about a million degrees. Um, everybody's in their kind of joggers and, uh, sorry, swimsuits and everything. And then there's this woman on this train who's in a really warm coach, got a baby clutched to her chest, who's in a bobble hat. She's wearing her sunglasses, and, you know. So there is that a real juxtaposition in in his images, in many of his images. Uh, that kind of thing is is wonderful. It kind of, I, I feel like those kind of pictures are maybe what Martin Parr would have yeah. kind of broke his teeth on. Is that how you say it? Broke his teeth? Cut his teeth. Cut his teeth, that's yeah. it, yeah. Then we've got some more poignant ones. Arlington, Virginia, 1963. So that would have been um, Kennedy's wife at the funeral, presumably. That yeah. shot is quite famous. Then, yeah. of course, we've got the, segre- uh, the segregation images that he did. Yeah, I mean, it's a real kind of mix of his work. It's not one particular genre and doesn't seem to be one particular story either. But it's, uh, it, you know, it's what I would call a real kind of introduction to some of his more iconic stuff. Oh, the stuff he did in Germany. He did a lot of work in Germany in, in the late 60s. You've got all these people exercising on the beach, which is really interesting. You know, because people still do this now. They still, you know, especially the older generations, they go into kind of what we now call yoga. But I don't think they would have called it yoga in 1968. That, that's like a made-up word later in life, isn't it? No, I think yoga was around then. It's probably just called it exercising, you know, or, People used to call not eating so much diet, dieting, and now they call it keto and all this kind of different names and <laughs> things. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and there's there is a whole load of the dog stuff in there actually, um, which is you know possibly what he's most famous for his dog images. I always wonder. I mean, I mean, obviously with the race debate stuff, which was really important, and actually, and a lot of it was was way ahead of its time with. Uh, 
uh, with photographic observation in the way that he did it. That that's for sure. But but I always wonder with with the humorous stuff that he does, the feet, the dogs, the do- the dogs um, with, with a person sitting on the step where where the, the, their head is replaced by the um, can't remember the breed of the dog, um, but I can I can see it in my mind. It's a bulldog. Bulldog. Yeah. All the all those. Uh, kinds of pictures it would be fascinating wouldn't it to to have been able to spend a couple of weeks with uh, with elliot Irwitt, just to be with him as he goes out photographing wondering how much he can come back with but if you hear him speak about especially the dogs project he, he you know he, he says like it's not like i just went out and every single picture was brilliant it was a long process and he had to for certain pictures like the ones i think it's around battery park in new york where he would um where he was trying to trying to get some images he would look watch see the people who were walking dogs regularly try and figure them out and then he would you know wait till the right time of the year so the light was good for the direction they were going so it definitely wasn't staged but was you know was well thought out so it wasn't just a case of wandering around town and, and snapping away and getting these great images but of course he was a photojournalist in in real you know in in, in in kind of his mainstay work was photojournalism and one of my favorite ones is the one on number 59 in the book pasadena california 1963 and it's uh lost persons area there's the sign so it's at some kind of festival or park or oh, you know, yeah, know a carnival or something yeah. and on this bench there's a bench you've got two women stood either end of the bench um both of them look very 1960s you know they've got those glasses with the pointy edges and you know their clothes are very 60s and they're stood on these benches look here one of them's peering very concerned into the distance looking for their their little kid that's gone missing the other one's stood there very nonchalantly with their arms crossed almost like well he can bloody do what he wants pain in the butt kind of view and then you've got another woman sat on the bench with this baby she's feeding this baby but i love it you know i love that this lost persons area can you imagine that these days yeah you you know what do you mean you lost your child oh my god you're you know the worst person in the world uh you know and just like health and safety and all that kind of stuff i remember being lost as a child um in barry island barry Uh, island yeah in barry island i got beach was packed yeah um, I just let go of my mum's hand. I, th- I was um, probably five, four or five, maybe, let go of my mum's hands. And I vaguely remember it. My mum tells me the story better, though. And she just looked around and I was gone, you know. And you, we now know as parents what that would yeah, feel like. God, yeah. Your heart just, like, drops out yeah. of your body. And uh, she, my mum, bless her, is, is quite a panicky type person at the best of times. So she was, she just went into a complete state of flux. And this um, this woman put me on her shoulders. Oh, and uh, I was saying, can you see your mum? Can you see your mum? And uh, and in the end, I spotted my mum, like, wherever it was. But I remember being launched up on these shoulders of, these, of this stranger and looking into this sea of, of faces on Barry Island Beach. And, uh, you know, and, and kind of with the tears, I remember the tears running oh. down my face, you know. And you, oh, okay. you th- at that age, thinking... I'm never going to see my parents again. Never going to see them again. Meanwhile, yeah. when when you saw her, they were packing up and saying, "Quick, let's get away from him! That's Quick right. now!" Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, we didn't want right. a child that had those weird eyebrows. He can't be ours. <laughs> yeah, we can always we can have that car we've always wanted now. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Oh, I bet she was pleased to find you though. I bet oh you, yeah, yeah, I bet yeah. you got and a proper telling off. And actually, uh, funny enough, back at Barry Island yeah. um, with Gemma now, this was a couple of years ago, we were we were wandering around Barry Island and with our kids and there was this little girl, uh, or was it a little boy, I can't remember, who just stood next to us and, uh, and Gemma said, are you okay? And uh, he said, uh, I, I can't find my mum. Oh, Kev. Y- you know, what do you do now? So, l- like, I, I said to Gemma, right, you know, 
hold on to him or stand by him, hold his hand, whatever. I'll go into, he'd, he'd wandered out of a, um, an arcade machine place. So I went in and, you know, I, I kind of said to a few people, you know, is your child gone missing? But what was going through both of myself and Gemma's mind was, you know, we can't just walk off with his child and look for the lost persons area because there ain't a lost persons area anymore. And if you walk off with a child somewhere, that's it, you know. I know. You're in all kinds of worlds of pain. You so are. we just uh, we just kind of stood there and uh, you know didn't let him go anywhere. And in the end, I found the the mum who who came out of another um, shop. I think she was in like a souvenir shop or something, looking suitably panicked. I said, "Oh, are you looking for a child?" Um, but of course, I didn't do any of the you know what's his name, how do we know it's your child or anything. Could have been anybody, but they went. Yeah. I hope it was his mum. Well, I, I think you know, the, the meeting between them probably would have told you that. I'd have, I'd, I, we, we went on holiday, um, I only went on holiday abroad with my mum and dad once to Holland when I was about three or four. And going across on the ferry, we were out on the top deck or whatever, coming into the port and the, and the ship's horn sounded. And I apparently ran. I was so taken by this this sound that was really loud. We must have been right next to the funnel. I ran right round the deck on the other side. Mum and Dad completely lost me. <laughs> and they came running after me. Have you seen a child? Have you seen a child? I remember them telling me that story, which I would imagine they'd be thinking, has he gone overboard? Yeah. God. That'd be even worse. God, yeah. Oh, just it's it's awful, isn't it? There's that TV show, wasn't it? Was it called Lost or, or Taken? I just refuse to watch things like oh, that. Oh no, I can't see things like that. Did we answer that question? I can't remember now. What was the question? I can't. Were we? <laughs> were no, you... no, no. We were doing a book review. Doing a book review. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we, Kev? Oh, it's all falling apart. Oh, it really is. Quick, I need another one of these. I'm going to run around the other side of the funnel and just hide. So the, the, book, so the book, book review the book of the week was Elliot Irwitt yes. which is the Thames and Hudson's photo file version a uh, little five, A5 little booklet get hold of it it's, uh, it is still currently available yeah. um, from all good booksellers uh, independent and not uh, for around about nine quid yeah good James oh this is a long question Kev you ready dig in okay have you got a bed <laughs> you might need it James Sauls Hope all is well with your families. Um, it's a little bit of rambling. I mean, even he said that in his question. My daughter started infant school last September, and as I'm sure a lot of us have done, um, we've offered to help the school with photography. Oh, don't do that, James. You'll be in all sorts of trouble. Uh, which is nice if you can do it, yes, if, if required at any point. And they've now reached out, not for photography, but to video the year two leavers early in July. So this is only a week or so away. Put on a short performance as parents are not allowed to, to the school to watch. Yeah, we've got the same thing happening this year. We can't go and see our little one, Thomas, in his in his last play at primary school. We can go and see the um we can go and see Jack in, in but that's a bigger hall at secondary school, but we can't so it's being videoed. I only turned the dial to video for the first time a few months back, but I think it'll be fine. I've done a few little projects, so I think I'm okay. But I'd like some advice on the sound of it. The projects I've done have been music videos for local musicians where I've simply dropped the audio track over the top of the video in Premiere. So I've not really recorded any sound professionally yet. You've done a bit of that, haven't you? You did, you did um, that uh, festival in Malmesbury, didn't you, Kev? Did you do that the same way? Yeah, so the long players. So I, I recorded everything um, with reference audio into the film, yeah. into the camera, and then the sound engineer, because they had a proper sound engineer, who then edited the tracks um and he he sent me the finished edit so we did a a, a clip clap clapboard at the beginning yep. and, and and it worked perfectly absolutely perfectly brilliant 
perfectly synced. Well, this is slightly different in that they've got 67 to 8-year-olds. Not 67 uh, to 8-year-olds. 67 to 8-year-olds in various group sizes singing and putting on little routines. How, how do you mic this without putting a microphone on all the kids? I don't even have a microphone at the moment, says James. But I have put a little by as I was intending to, uh, to buy one or two um, once this pandemic is over. I'll bring that purchase forward to help the school. Um, the school had planned to record on an iPad, so almost anything will be an improvement. But I want to make it the best I can to invest in some gear that I can use in the future for audio work. Any advice on microphones or microphone budgets around £200? I'll be recording the kids on a roaming X-H1 and static X-T3. Right. Well, this is going to be really difficult because what you need is those those special microphones that they put on stages that are um, what's called omnidirectional. That means their pickup is in all directions and they're called um, boundary mics. Or you can get um, also hanging microphones, but they're often a bit more directional and they go into... They point to the left and the right or the centre. But boundary mics are the the solo ones. Well, you'd need a couple, I guess. But they're not cheap. Certainly not £200 for a decent one. The trouble is, to get the best audio, you you need that pickup to be as close to their mouths as possible. So putting down a microphone that's going to pick everything up, it will literally pick everything up. And that includes the bird sounds outside, any lorries going past coughs and blah 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 and children do like to talk during performances as well don't they oh yeah and go to the wee (laughs) that's right can i go to the wee mrs b miss miss (laughs) miss i need to go now me it is picking it all up (laughs) it's really difficult one this yeah Um, i mean a Uh, zoom h1 that um, that you've ordered and that's not gonna i mean you can put that at the front it's gonna do a i mean i suppose you could put it on a, a a small if you had two H1s and you had them about three, four meters apart, so they're not, and then you, and then you, they've got XY pickup, haven't they? So you point yeah. them outward towards um, the, the children. That's going to do a. That's going to probably do the the best on a budget because I think you'll be able to get two probably for two hundred quid. The best on a budget that you could possibly do will be those two H1Ns with their XY pickups. Pointing out slightly 45 degrees, or maybe slightly less. One left, one right, and I think that's the best you're going to do. Put them on a, if you can get a small tripod, lift them up so they're not on the ground. Lift them up so they're, they are pointing loosely towards mouth level. Yeah, I'm just looking at the H1Ns now. Um, they don't seem to be available at all no? on Amazon right what? now. So, um, but yeah, they used to be about 150 quid each, didn't they? Something well, like they've that. come down an awful lot, actually. Maybe that's why they're not available. Everybody's bought them up. There must, um, there must be some gear, gear for you, uh, gear for gear for music, gear for music. The the other thing I was thinking of, and it, this is much more of an investment, is the Zoom H5s. Um, so the Zoom H5s do also have the um, XY stuff yeah. going on. They're far more powerful, and they've got a um, they've got a tripod uh, mount at the bottom, at the flat part of the back, I should say. So you could stick a couple of them pointing towards them, make sure you get your XY parameters correct, um, stick them on a tripod in front of the group, and I think you'll get reasonably good audio. You've got the same tripod mount, by the way, with an H1. Underneath, on yep. the back? Yep. Is it on the back? Yeah. Okay. 
un- mm. underneath and an auto level which is reasonably okay actually on an h1 but i mean i think what you're suggesting is good but that's way over his budget yeah well you know if if it ain't good enough it ain't good enough but you know if you want to make it good enough then you've got to make it good enough <laughs> thanks for that can i quote <laughs> you on that the H6s, sorry, the H5s are no longer available, so they, now they brought out this H6 thing, which looks yeah. like something out of Star Wars. Well, it's got a nice little digital screen and everything, but they're 350 quid. James, Gear for Music, um, which is, uh, I think, based in the UK. Uh, gear for, it's the number four, gearfortmusic.com. I sound like one of those auto things on my phone then, gearfortmusic.com. Um, they have some available. They're £90 at the moment. H, oh, there we go. H1N, 20 in stock as I'm looking at it. Get them all. Could Get be, all of them. Yeah, buy them all up. Then sell them at 150 quid, as Kev suggested. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, but I think those two microphones, uh, they, they would do it. You need to lift it. Those those little tripods you can put into the bottom, though. They're they're usually on those sort of small flexi flexi tripod stands. Little one. Do you really want to lift it up? Um, yeah. higher maybe get a music i tell you what you get a music stand get a couple of music stands they're usually the right height and strap these with a bit of gaffer tape onto each and also if it's outside make sure you get one of those fluffy cat things oh yeah oh is it gonna be outside oh that'll add even more difficulty to so, it. then you'll yeah. get the aircraft as well i'm pretty sure this will be inside because that's why they're not letting parents do it uh okay yes yeah i forgot that bit yeah, yeah. okay so there we go james solved uh, and he also had an electric quote from Kev, which I'm going to put on a T-shirt. <laughs> what is that? Well, the one you did just now. If it ain't good, it's not good. If it's good, it ain't good, it's good. And that's good. Well, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> it is true. <laughs> I, and, and I think on that note, that's, that's all we need uh, on that bombshell. Thank you very much for all your questions this week into the show. Um, uh, we'll, of course, put all the links up for you so you can see the book of the week. Uh, try and put that gear for music one up. We'll remember to do that as well. So, uh, but don't go and get all of them yet. Let James get the couple that he needs. Um, also, thank you to our guest Carl Hare for the last couple of weeks, who's been superb. Um, and, and of course, you will find that thread in the Facebook group. Uh, although you might have to search for it because Kev's gonna Kev's obviously gonna gonna need the um, the space in the announcements so that you can send in your questions because we always need them. If you have any questions for the show click at fujicast.co.uk or of course you can send them in via the facebook group uh, there's two ways to do that thanks very much um for, for your company this week we'll see you in the show notes uh, as ever and in the facebook group and see you next week bye kev bye the fujicast is an independent loading zone production email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.